Welcome back, HRL. Welcome back, United States, to Mother Earth, to the HRL Touch Em All podcast, where we will touch them all. I am your producer, Hove. I'm joined by my best friend, Psych. Baby, how are we doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be back with uh, the Tuesday edition of the Legend lineup. Uh, we couldn't be more excited for who we have today, and I think you guys will all enjoy it. So it's just, again, a pleasure to be here, and let's get after it, Hove. Yeah, definitely. Before we do, if you tuned in already to our podcast that dropped on Monday, and if you haven't seen it yet, won't ruin too much of a surprise, but man, we had three amazing gentlemen on and we talked about a lot of wiffle ball. So if you haven't go li- listen to that, go listen to that. As Psych mentioned, this is episode two of our Legend lineup, and we have a very good friend of both of ours and fellow employee of the HRL. Because we go to work, and this man goes to work every time he shows up to the rinks. And even when he's off the rinks, he, he puts in a lot of work for the league. And, um, yeah, you introduce our friend we got here. So, the next guest on the Legend Lineup podcast is a father of five, most importantly, which arguably could be the most in the HRL currently. Could not be. I'm not quite sure. Somebody can fact check me on that. Make sure you're listening. He's a three-time league MVP. Um, one of two players to ever accomplish that feat. He is a three-time champion after this year, a 10-time All-Star, although some of those years probably don't count because he might not have shown up. But attendance has been good recently. Um, he was a member of the Gotham's Dynasty in the early uh, 2010s and is my current teammate on the Aces. He ranks number four all-time in career wins in the regular season on the mound. In 2020, he helped guide a, tw- a uh, national champion wiffle ball team. Um, and now he is an NWLA committee member. And in 2024, he will be kind of the guy that is helping us host the NWLA. Um, tonight, we want to welcome our friend WebGem. WebGem, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. No problem. That was a hell of an intro. Oh, yeah. I like all those stats. We were looking at this before. You, I mean, you were recording, but uh, one win away, Sanchez and Kmart. I am coming for He's you this coming. year. I'm coming. Sanchez, back that talk up and go in a yep. side whiff, because if not, you're not number two I got. Anymore. I got to jump them before Mippy essentially eventually jumps me, because Mip is right there and has been there for a while. Yeah, he's pretty good. Shout out Sanchez and Stash for the HRL Touch Mall podcast. But here we are, legend lineup. Got Wade Cooper. Um... Man, we've already talked so much wiffle ball. <laughs> like, where do we even start? I, we, we obviously, as always, got a list of our questions that we'll definitely go over. We got some really good topics and really important things that we're able to talk about with a dude who knows a lot, wouldn't you say? I would say of all the people I've ever talked to in the league, ever played with, you know, ever just chatted with, had a drink, Wade is definitely up there in the top five, you know, a handful of guys that they can tell you about stats, about players, about moments, about records, all this from, you know, pretty much anywhere from the inception of the league till now. Um, And that's kind of where, you know, a guy like Wade is kind of where I get my urge and my knack and my desire to know more about the HRL's history. And and ultimately that was kind of the foundation for something like this legend lineup Mm. to get it out there and to say, you know, if you've ever had that intrigue, maybe this is that little thing that scratches your back and gets that, you know, really comes that itch to fruition and, and, and you are now more interested in the history of the league too. So um, just a total Wiffletarian and, and we're lucky to have him in the HRL. And again, to touch on kind of your 
prowess when it comes to stack keeping and bookkeeping of your own, you know, and as your friend, you do it on many levels with many sports that we've both grown up together. You've done it so well in wiffle ball. So when the legend lineup idea came through, and of course we had Zach Palp and Spoon as a main first idea. Right. Truck is of course, and if you're listening to this, um, hopefully we can get around to him. If not, there are plenty of legends around the league that we still have time to definitely got talk our plans with for the next couple of days. And obviously you'll be hearing that but the next couple of days. When you when you say Wade right away, Web Gem, that it's a no brainer to me also. Just kind of based off of everything you just said and how you introduced him it um yeah it's cool and we get to talk about a lot with someone who knows right. a lot about football that's for sure yeah it's easy to have a conversation and, and chat real in depth when somebody becomes not only a teammate somebody becomes a friend you get to know them on such a deeper level and and i know that everybody listening right now has made those connections with others in the league and it's just a beautiful aspect to the hrl itself and and having a game such such as a wiffle ball. Yeah. A random thing, but just what you were saying that I want to mention. I'd love to look back, because we're stat freaks. I'd love to look back at all the people that were not married before they started in the league. And the friends that they had. And how many people were in their wedding party <laughs> that were people that they met in the HRL. Because I've seen pictures of guys even very, in just recent years it's very here. Niche stat too. I like that. About right? that observation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I wonder how many what the percentage is. I guarantee that if they had been at least in the league for a couple of years with some guys that and then they met somebody and they ended up getting married that they have. Oh yeah. Those people that became that that much of a point in their life. Oh, I know what you're saying. I you just made me realize I got a Zach, Steve, Richard. You guys will definitely be invited. Just like <laughs> I thought that was gonna be a different. Oh, you're getting married! Yeah, yeah. Congrats, guys! Yeah, he's guys. Twenty twenty three. Mippy, sorry, I broke the news to you're everybody. You're still young. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. So, going off that, um, let's just dive right in. Wade, give us a little bit of a journey as to kind of what wiffle ball was like for you as a kid, and and kind of your beginnings in the sport of wiffle ball itself. So. For those that don't know, I'm from Minnesota, but I'm from northern Minnesota, small town. Didn't have any organized activities like this. They were outside the normal sports. You know, we talked about, you know, all of all, so many of us that played baseball growing up, that kind of got you into whiffs, playing basketball. But wiffle ball was first, I guess, introduced beyond the backyard with my parents um, at a summer rec department that they... That, they had different rules, but you were playing wiffle ball, essentially, using a plastic bat, right. some type of plastic ball. Um, and then as you get older and you kind of have flexibility to come and go and be at your friend's house all summer long, we started our own little backyard league. We'd play pickup sure. basketball games part of the summer. We'd set up a field in the backyard of my buddy's house and keep track of stats, and so many of us have done stuff like that over time. Um and I've just I've been into sports. I've always wanted to be in a league, be competitive. Um, came down here to the cities in 07 after college. Um, played on a softball team that summer through a, a work friend. Um, and then found out about the HRL that year from Paul Hendy Henderson. We worked together. Shout out Hendy. Yep. 
We worked together for a couple years, my first big boy job down here in the cities. And one of the things, and we've heard this multiple people in the past about how they found out about some of the stuff. He showed me the website. And you go being a guy that was running his own like fantasy baseball and basketball leagues as a kid and having to clip stuff out of a newspaper. And then you get, you know, Yahoo football starts up and I'm running leagues like that or running NCAA basketball pools. You see something like that, you're like, oh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. As an adult, right, right, maybe puts around with making a website or something else. But No, we were hearing about, I've heard from multiple sources now that, and it's basically confirmed for me that um, the HRL website has been kick-ass for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I saw, I think, the second version of it, essentially, that was loaded up. Um, I think it was either a first year or the second year of the league that there was, there was a version that was, but the, the, structure of the website as we know it, the stat engine that D built mm-hmm. over time as we know it. By the time I was in the league, it was there. Mm. The rest of the stuff is, uh, well, I don't say the rest of the stuff. There's a lot of other behind-the-scenes stuff, but the rest is co- cosmetic when most people. Yeah, and I want to touch on, that was something that you guys heard in episode one was when the guys on the Reds joined the league, they had said how kind of like, holy cow, this is so formed already. This is so legit already, and we're only in year three of it. And the website was something that made it so legit so quick. Uh-huh. And how many other dudes listening right now or, or in history have said, oh, yeah, I, I saw the website. I perused it. Uh, you know, I came out to a tournament like with Toberfest, and that's how I ultimately got to be in the league, and now I'm in year 15 yep. or whatever it may be. So that's just so cool and, and, and to and, hear those from and those you guys get too. And you get in then, and beyond just your kind of sports nerding out about being able to see stuff like that, the gameplay you go, this is good. This is competitive. It's not just like total pickup ball in the backyard. Like for the most part, that's one of the things I've always loved about our league is the rules is so much of it following a baseball style. Because mm-hmm. um, at the time I was playing softball when I joined uh, the Brewers, and he asked me to join the Brewers. And softball I'd been doing for years, a lot of my close friends, and great competition, sport that I love to play. But then you start playing with different guys and you realize – it doesn't have the same same thing year in year out. Same thing year in year out. Mm-hmm. And this wiffle ball thing's like this new challenge. You know, new group of people you're getting to know, and just the vibe was different. Um, those that have run softball teams in the past would say this too: is hell getting a team together each week to play wiffle ball with the few number of people you need. Hell of a lot easier than trying to organize. 10, 11 dudes for softball each week. And we sure. know that well because we've played in a softball league together for the last three years. I've kind of helped been the captain. And, mm-hmm. you know, we got a consistent squad, but it's just different in wiffle ball. And maybe it's because I'm more passionate about it, but I know you echo the same sentiment. And hearing you guys both talk about it right there and hearing you say that, Evan, yeah. reminds me that, in my mind, why then it felt so different with wiffle ball even versus something like softball was the backyard feel. Because even pulling up to Sky Hill for me, which has been a, a massive um, growing point, just that being the place I've probably played my most games is at Sky Hill. When I pull up there versus when I pull up to the to a baseball field complex to play a game of softball, there's something so different about showing up to this. It's a it's like a much smaller yeah. board game itself, you know? They're mm-hmm. like all these little pieces, like this tiny field compared to a... Compared to a field that you play softball on, it is tiny, but it adds so much but more. It, it adds the, how, int- the intimacy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the backyard feel, that's just what comes to my mind is 
And I think that that's why we all float towards it is because we're all kids at heart, and that's what the game with ball is. It's it's a backyard game. So we float towards it, and it's not easy to leave it. And that's why so many guys, you know, maybe life has taken them one direction, but ultimately this one game that we all share in common, and we do share in common. The only thing is, we're all going out there and playing games. We might be, you know, different walks of life, different jobs, different hobbies, all that stuff, but. We all share in common getting together and playing wiffle ball games at the rinks throughout the summer, and that's just why it's so intimate, I think. And growing up playing wiffle ball in the backyard, I played with neighbor kids. Some, like the kid whose house I would play it at, he was very good and fast, you know, as kids, you know, he's, he was one of the fast ones, and he, and he could hit the ball. And then there were neighbor kids who would play who weren't as good, but you wouldn't, there wouldn't be any negative feelings about it, only if you you know, flip the bat in their face, you know, as a kid, literally, and you're yeah. in the backyard yeah. playing with football. But there's that mutual respect of, like, yeah, you know, like, we're, we're just playing regardless of where we are at, regardless of whatever skill we're at, whatever. And it, it's funny I'm going to bring this up because that was only my first time seeing East Coast football when I went out to the UF Championship in Pennsylvania, but... I got to see those guys don't really allow much room for that in their leagues, I would assume, just based off of personality type and kind of just how the league is built and the competitiveness out there. And here we are able to just play that backyard game. We all got our lawn chairs, got our drinks, and we just play with football. And, and that's the thing that I haven't had the luxury of seeing. You see from afar, but you don't see the, the ins and outs of these other leagues and how they're run. Mm. Or how the structure of the game. I mean, I've heard of ones that are just a bunch of games on a weekend. Mm-hmm. And that can be fun in itself. We have that oh, with like sure. a Wiffle Palooza where you've got this big old event and so many teams there and just, you know, sit around, go get drinks. Hometown is. But I, you, I only know this league. I mean, and Trent's league playing you know, in the offseason and whatnot, at least being close enough to be, be participating. But mm. I just know the longevity of it, the, the, start the snow melts and you keep playing until champion is school kids going back to school and stuff i mean it's it's just it's natural for me that it's going to run all of the summer and it's going to have that vibe and the feel of thursday nights and you get some monday night game scheduled and you go god damn it i don't want monday nights because i don't want to be hung over on tuesday i'd rather be hung over on friday i mean that's just in general this and then you're probably grateful for it afterwards because you just got to play more football maybe yeah yeah. you kind of base a summer you know a year around oh well for these 20 to 25 weeks out of my year i have this going for me that i'm passionate about that i get to go see my friends at that i get to go have an out at because for a lot of guys it's kind of like an out oh absolutely and and early on like we we all talked even off the mic about you know, our, our interest level and how things have changed and evolved year after year. For me, it was pretty quick because I had dropped softball. I picked it back up again with some other people a few years later. Mm. Uh, but I had more or less dedicated myself to whiffs. I still was playing sand volleyball at times during the week. But mm. that was the thing I was looking forward to. So it didn't take long for me to go... Because some people might feel this and it... it just their own personal perspective or what else they've got going on that they might go, eh, the season's a little long. I don't think a lot of the people in our league say that, yeah. but it certainly could be. And and there, when there had been discussions in the past about schedule changes or things like that, sometimes there was that pushback in terms of, 
I don't know. It's getting stretched out a lot. Sure. Uh, um, yeah. And it had been maybe more condensed in years, the first couple of years. It's interesting you say that because, and we touched on this a little bit, was um, maybe the the hunger that is just coming up in the league again, again this year, and I think happened from this last year, is all the all the better teams who are maybe searching for playoff appearances and they want to play to the end of the season, then they have no problem. So that mm-hmm. kind of offsets then. It's, because you still get a good chunk of the summer then if you don't play the whole summer yeah. without it being too much, you know, while also playing enough because you can choose to play in 20 regular season games if you want it or play 35. Everybody's yeah. experience is totally different. Oh, so yeah. it is what you want it to be. It is what you make of it. If there's 36 games on the schedule, you want to make it to 36, go ahead. If you can only make it to 24 or you only want to play 20, so be it. It's everybody's to determine. But I think the length of the schedule, you know, all that running from late April to, you know, maybe mid-September, late September at the at the latest, I think that's a pretty good schedule we have. And it eats up a lot of the good parts of the year for Minnesota weather. At it least. gives you... I think it gives all of us the opportunity to have 40 games at our disposal and only go to 20 if we so desire, or if that's how. That's it, how rosters get structured. And that's how it, and that and like and like you were talking about with other sports, even that you're doing or with softball, you split time mm-hmm. with stuff, so you completely have that up to you. I can say me personally, with year 20 and NWA in 2024, I'm all in for a summer like. 2023 because perfect time to and for some reason i just can't wait to be uh back out on the race Uh so so oh yes just so much more than last year you get that you get the itch where it i don't know what the hell could be going on in your life but you could be god damn it is it thursday yet and seriously i don't know what year that got to where i finally got to that point but it became a regular thing where just thursdays so my wife the kids, whoever else, sorry, everything else is shut down because Thursday night I have wiffle ball yeah. in from May yeah. to May through September. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I guess our next topic, and and you kind of touched on this, and then you, you know, we talked about something else. But when did you know in your HRL career that you wanted to take on a bigger role? I know you were commissioner at some points. Yeah. Um, as recently, you know, NWLA kind of coach manager. And now being on the committee for the NWA and finally getting a bid to host the NWA tourney, when did that all kind of begin for you and how has the progression for that been over your career? Your first year in the league was when? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, wait. Um, obviously, introduction. Um, oh, nine, full, first full time. So, 20, mid 20 games first year. Oh, nine, committed. I'm going to play the whole season. Moved from Hopkins to Egan. Um, I came into the league right away and was just going off athleticism and everything. I hadn't played wiffle ball in years, and I was just hitting. I wasn't pitching. Sure. 09, um, kind of the same thing, but we changed our roster a little bit, and I started to get a little bit more committed to trying something like pitching. It was after that second season then that... I built a board. A lot of people have done this. I put it up in my backyard, practiced some different stuff, came into the third year going, I don't want to just come to this thing and play. I want to continue to get better right. and kind of establish myself. 
Mm. Um, and I did in that third year. So then the going into the fourth year is when the Gothams were formed. And okay. I think the, the core of us um, that had split off from the Astros, myself, Hater, and Hal, all said, we put this together, we're, we can make a run, and we can, we can try to go after it. Sure. Um, mm. So the, the evolution for me was partly like, what was this league to me at first? It was a regular thing to go out, mm. meet some new people, be competitive, play sports. Then it started to evolve into my competitive nature and my thought of we could actually win this thing took over. And in that time, that sucked me into the league even more. Even though I wasn't doing, this was a period of time that I wasn't drinking at the at the rinks. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't going to any of the outside things or parties. Or I'd go to pregame, like sure. meet Joe or Hendy or do stuff like that. We'd go hang out because I'd get some food or whatnot. But I was not doing post games the same way. Um, and I honestly, I never needed to to get enough interest in the league to be involved. I. I started just once I finally played truck a couple times, connected with him, got on the message board at the times and, you know, started commenting here and there, just being involved that way. Sure. Um, but I think for me, because of the path that I took, because I wasn't just coming in boisterous and drinking and chumming it up and going all this stuff. My path was because we had success. So I got more, um, ingrained with everybody and having conversations just because I played through the playoffs and I played into championships and we won. And that kind of spurred me on even more to have league level conversations with people. Um, And then it just so happened in terms of timing, I was pretty interested in, and I kind of started to do some stuff on the side here, here and there to help field set up and do stuff like that. um, That when truck made a decision to step away that, Hater and I had had conversations about where we see the next years of the league going. Sure. Yeah. And we, in a sense, kind of filled a void. And that's how I really got involved and started picking up and having to learn a lot of different things. So, I mean, I appreciate the help of um, guys that have been in and around for all those years, whether it be truck or even when during the transition time, like Sanchez mm-hmm. and Kmart, you know, to, to be connections with the city. Um, guys like Rocket and Seuss that were ingrained and played years in Egan and were there to assist and help out in terms of contacting people. Mm. Um, so it took a year or two, I think, for Hater and I to kind of get our footing before. And it was. We had to go back from dropping down to 16 teams in 2015 and kind of build it back up again to where it's been. Sure. Um, but once I got into a leadership role with Hater, then I could never step away. Like, even when I did step away... Because we were having our twins, I I was still wanted to be involved. I just didn't. I couldn't be a point person. I couldn't be somebody okay. we went to. But yeah, it's it's come full circle. It's impossible once you get in. Your ideas are flowing. You got all these crazy things that you want to do. Will you? This is a good question for a lot of guys out there that don't know, but have assumed you've been in a, in a leadership position for let's say the last five six years. Are there set years you've been commissioner? Would you say? Since uh, 2015? It, I mean, technically, and Hater would kill me if I didn't say this, technically, Hater was the commissioner and I was his vice commish. Yeah, uh, we were kind go. of like co-commissioners. And that was 15 because he was fine putting his name out there and I said, yeah, I'm there to I'm there to help. We're, we're kind of going to take team this thing. Bounce, your Batman. Bounce, yeah, but we're bouncing ideas off each other constantly. I didn't know he had 
a role like that either. But that was before your time, and I only knew right that because... Right before, though. I mean, only a couple of years. It, a couple it, of years so, before. it went 15, so technically, we took... Feels like eight Took before. leadership roles in 15, 16, 17, 18, and then... Was it hot next? Yeah. I think it bounced back to truck. It went back to truck for one year. That's right. Yeah. One and a half years. But it was was known before he took that back over that ultimately I got to find and we need to know who's the right person to give this to. I think. And hand it to. And that was when Huck was just becoming so much better at wiffle ball, better as a leader, you know, growing into the person he's going to be, getting married. And he said, yes, I totally will be the guy. I'll step up and I'll be the commissioner. And oh my God, we've had some of the best years in the last couple with him as commissioner. Yep. And yeah, and you know. and Truck knew that. I think so. Going back, and if you do talk to Truck, you know, you could tell the evolution of the years. I missed the first four years of the league. Those were all Truck years. There was initial and then immediate doubling and, and steady growth and, and guys that stuck around. And then shortly after I joined the league, I don't know conversations Truck had, but D took over for two years, and then. I think it was known that it was. I think it was family stuff too, uh, just busyness in terms of life. Of that that truck knew he wanted to take it back, or that he would. So that, so right. then truck had it back for the next four years, eleven mm-hmm. to fourteen, okay. and then I think he got burnt out again. And there was well, a ton of shit on the message board about uh, new ideas and drafts and everybody that was hey, around during that time would absolutely. love that. Uh, you know, to just go back and have all those message board comments. I'd love to see that again. For none of you that got to, experience the message board. Because I got to. <laughs> I got to see some absolutely wild things. I got to be a part of some absolutely wild things. And I got my nickname probably because of it. Those were some years of just greatness, controversy, some bad moments. But it was something you can never forget Dude, that. And the I think- message board, <laughs> no doubt, if it was Wiffle Day on Thursday... You open up your computer at work. Guys are on there all day long. And I know most people have desk jobs. But these guys... That was, yeah, my first couple years. Like Thursdays didn't go by quick for these guys. Twitter was not really a big thing back then. Not at all. Even even smartphones were not a big thing. But... I'll shut up, Hov. No, not... Dude, (laughs) he needs the floor. That is the golden age of the internet era right there, though. Like... Any of those, like that seven-year span where it was fun and cool to be on a desktop computer yeah. and like be chatting up or blogging Dude, all and, like, day long, all trash talking, shit. like the shit that. Trust me, I missed that when I was coming to the league. I was, I was not as, you know. I knew I was missing out on something like the message board. I knew as soon as the Discord popped up, and I wasn't seeing many guys talk about it. I was like. No, I missed out on what Evan had told me all about with the message board, you know, and just how much guys have talked in there. It, tr- it truly was one of those you had to be there and you had to be a part of it. And if not, you really can't understand the full experience. And you could be, you could be the, like the iteration two of the message board. So the most recent one with the new website that guys like you would have got to experience. Mm. Um, I'll pick on Grizz. He's my buddy. He's, he was always, Danny's just there. Danny's always online, never commenting. Just here for the, just here to read the, read the comments. Danny's here for and, a good time yeah, and, and a long pi- time. And he'd pipe in the stir of the pot very occasionally. No. But he was always there just watching. And that was a lot of guys, because you could see all, you know, who was online during that yeah, time. Yeah, how and many then guys? It might just be, it just might be a, 
well, because I know the Blue Jays did this, and they did it through their group texting. Like, they would post their sections of group texts that Vladi or Eddie Bauer were back and forth with each other, and it would get posted on the message board, and you'd just read through that shit or just see where everybody's spouting off. It was awesome. I'm honestly... I'll throw out something dumb right now for the in this. Um, I would love to get that going in the Discord for all of us younger guys even who are good enough with a phone and shit. I would love to talk shit about all of you to all of you. <laughs> well, you in can. The yeah. So we I have know the I can. Platform but the for season it. hasn't started yet. Let's let's see some records. First. I think year you know, two, like the first full year of a Discord, like leading up to it, everybody's already in. Yeah. The rookies, you know, and new you guys are going to be getting that, in. Talking about that, that. We can really make the Discord what we want it to be. But shout out the message board era yeah, in the dude. HRL. Yeah, message board era. Absolutely awesome. vital to the to the history ne- never, of the HRL. Never again. Never again. That stuff doesn't happen again these <laughs> days. The internet, that golden age of internet is over. I'm sorry. And we could be That's saying right. the same thing about Twitter in five, ten years. Who knows? But for right now, I just do love how every team's got a Twitter account. It's You oh, don't yes. have to, but yeah, it's great. like... Right it's there. just it's taboo if you don't have one of it, those. It, that so the content it it happens in a different time frame now too, so we'll even tweet out results or comments or stuff or just something fun a picture well, I took from the night. from the field or yeah hanging around Fuck for post yeah. games that didn't make it to the message board. More we have such a unique thing. The message board was more of that build up during the day to the night. Now yes. we have tweeting out lineups and stuff, but it doesn't cause the same stir but then you have the post of games that you the have recast. results and the, e- the ease of that that we didn't have back then either mm. and on the website i know they have a and because i've seen them i've read some this just goes to show i've done my homework so anybody listening I've done my homework. <laughs> we used to have recaps those first oh, couple yes. world series big series big playoffs you know crucial series there used to be recaps of it now everybody kind of does that you know whoever runs uh, a Twitter that's active. They kind of do those recaps every week, every night that they have games beforehand. You know, begin a season. And video so video and photos were pro. That first website that I saw from Hendy. Click on a team page, and it was at the bottom of the page. It was photos and vid and stuff like that related to that team that was bucketed behind the scenes oh. for them. That was on their page, and that's now transitioned to Twitter because that's where you get that yeah. content from. Honestly, none of us knew that we were going to go down the message board rabbit hole, but this has been informative to me. And I know how many people listening are going to be like, wow, that was a good throwback memory. You just, I mean, gave me a good idea, but I think guys will a lot more this year. And I mean, I'm thinking of with having a full-time job and saving up a little bit of money, it's not too much to go get a GoPro and edit and very simply edit a couple videos just to help put that out or even just take like whip out my phone and take a minute video of of Seuss's at bat in a game, you know, and just post it on Twitter. Yep. Like we could really get sure. it going. And I love content like that. I love, and that just made me think of that would actually be cool. What if every team was posting like just videos at like, <laughs> random point in the game? That would kind of be entertaining just to see what was, what was going on that night or whatever. It's, it's funny the, how how that happens with ideas. You know, you start talking with people and you go, I've had this conversation before. I feel like I've had this oh. conversation before. Because one of, I can't, I don't think it was the first year that Hater and I got involved. It was, I think 2016. I think it was the second year. One of the things that we did at that winter meeting to try to drum up interest in bringing teams back in was we said we want more content for the website. So back then it wasn't content from Twitter or whatnot. It was articles. It would be vid like or pictures videos. or stuff like that that 
could get uploaded and get added to the website. And we actually assigned people at teams at different times, like somewhere throughout the year, we want you to write something up or do something unique. Mm. It was awesome. Go back and look at the news history on the website from uh, like 2016 and just the those. randomness of things that came Going up. into year 20, I would read and watch every single one of those. We should kind of almost unearth some of that stuff. Mm. And I know we've talked about doing videos in the evenings these come out. Maybe in the evenings on a Tuesday for this Legend lineup, we have Mippy or whoever it is post videos that have never been seen before. Yeah. A recap, a stupid little video that can get everybody laughing you know a couple months in advance of the new season just get the more content out there and everything that's kind of lost in history and you wouldn't think to go back and look at if we can kind of unearth those things yeah we're serving a purpose with that i have the baby cakes twitter a little bit and shit that's a great idea even just post any clip like any niche little thing that what comes I, to your that mind. That sounds fun. What I like things like this for is because now you've got it encapsulated. And it wasn't just this conversation that I've had at the bar. Because yeah. over the years I've had so many conversations. How at many the of bar, those go by the way? And I go and I have made notes and kept track of a lot <laughs> of different things over time. But yes, it doesn't get out there in the masses and it's just like it's like that flame. You get that little spark and then somebody else picks up and it kind of grows and grows and grows. And I know we're gonna talk about NWA stuff later, but that's part of that sure. in terms of involvement. The more people that see the 2016 articles, the random shit that was in there. Um, Vlade did this thing uh, where he did a poll that you go, go on a website and guess people's real name by their nickname. Like, how well do you know other past people in wow. HRL? Mm -hmm. I found that just scrolling through things. I was bored That's at work great. one day. It was like four years after he had done the original one. I go, mm. I'm bringing this back. I'm doing this. That's thing. what and year then, 20 needs and, of us. And yes, so people go in, they get ideas, and they go, shit, that's really cool, or I, I want to do something. I could do that. And you pick up just the most Damn, random bro. shit. So that, yeah. back to your, back to this question, that is how we as as HRL players can take a bigger role just in our own personal lives. Hey, I'll pick up something and... For two months out of the year, I will go around and everybody I play, I'll ask a guy on that team how well they know their, that, their the teammate. teammate thing. Yes, you know, yeah. like Trent and Austin did. Yeah, and cool stuff, stuff like that. that. I love I love when people have those new ideas. It's great when you get you know the the Casey's that are committed to taking their time sure. to go like on an extra day to film on a Monday or whatnot. Or we've had mm -hmm. other guys that have done filming or Spend announcing at, doing at, at at specific times. But you don't even need to go to that extent. It could be, it doesn't even need to be really in-depth. It could be just like you said, you take a quick video of some thing that your team does, like the Chihuahuas would do the riding in the car to the, the field. and Very fun. Pre-game, you know, kind of bullshit talk. You're giving me a lot of ideas for things I can do for this. Perfect. I hope everybody else Perfect. listening can say the same thing. And then you a lot. I'm probably going to do that because I live very close to the Egan Rinks and I probably will stop. I haven't done that yet in the league. I haven't went to any other games that I'm not participating in or even care about. Or find a shit. I got find a shtick. I, find something that you I go. Gotta, I can do this easily. I have a, I have a camera, and like I said, I would get a GoPro, and we're probably gonna have the most footage that we'll have that we've ever had, though. As Let's make it a goal this year, team. everybody. Let's get the footage out there because 2023 year 20, 2024 is NWA year. And we're off into the next 10 we, years. And we don't... And Crucial. We, and we know we're not going to expect there to be a million cameras come that tournament, but a, several of us are going to need to know how to how to run it. Oh, yeah. To have our yeah. own setup. We're going to need to be fluent with putting on a live stream. And I know you, 
the the brass, you know, in the league, and you guys know your stuff. And um, but yeah, th- th- this year's gonna be great practice for stuff. Like uh-huh. that, for sure. Yeah, and it and it, you never know what random ideas come out from all of that mm-hmm. happening, mm-hmm. which can be taken and used year after year in the HRL, or it could be taken and used in hosting an NWLA type tournament that we we might be a lead up to. A tournament that's going. Oh, we did this for a league, but that would also be really cool with the national tournament to do something similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Wade, you touched on kind of the Gotham's and 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 that being your first real great shot to have a chance at the title, and then you and Hater kind of paired up and said, "Let's help run as as kind yep. of league brass step up." Um, give us and for the viewers out there that don't know much about your Gotham days, run us through a little bit about the Gotham's dynasty and compare that to the team you're on now with the Aces the team you you won a title with this past year well we were talking about this before i think i'll i'll lead with the with the aces side and just where the league is now so 2022 it was 10 years removed from when i had won with the gothams and overall year after year after year you look at the trend and just say talent wise has continued to grow Mm. hasn't even had to be number of people but we've done that too for the most part over the years, that yeah. just the sheer number of people in the league has continued to grow. But top-end talent to get to a level that, I mean, the national team that has sent a team, we could send three national teams with the amount of talent that we have in our mm-hmm. league, top-end talent in our league, and right. be super competitive at the national level. And there was talent way back in the day too, but I think it it stayed together. We, we also talked about that in terms of how teams formed when teams formed early on, they kind of just continued to grow together. And you bring a guy in, a guy leaves. new, or your leaves permanently. But they generally weren't leaving and going to another team. They Not were branching off and, and creating another team possibly. So mm. I think just and then I'll get blamed for the year, the first year we Hater and I came together with Grizz and Tubat and Smallpox, super team. And like that became the thing. But in general, a lot of teams became super teams because there just became a lot of good players. So we had our teams that we were going up against. So with the Gothams, it was the transition from the Astros to becoming the Gothams and having to finally knock off the Reds. They were the perennial winner in Egan. They had three in a row. They still were representing in the in the finals until we finally uh, got past them in 2011. And then we played the Red Sox in the semifinal, I think is how it went. Um, either way, 2012, 2013, we won. We had to beat the Reds to win. Um, that was, I think, our biggest nemesis. And then two years in a row, we happened to face the Red Sox, who were perennial, perennial playoff teams, had won championships in the past. So it it was, we knew who we had to beat in general. Right. Those games were super competitive. Um, but I think... The differences throughout the entire season, all the games you played, week after week after week, now I see a lot more competition from teams Absolutely. than I did back then. Was your original question about the HRL, or was did you direct that at National Wiffleball at all, or Fast Pitch? Or? Were you talking about HRL when you posed that question? HRL, I mean, just oh, okay. like a comparison, because it had been the 10 years, because yep. these are the only two teams you have won titles with, but like you transi- like you touched on, the Reds had been the staple, and before then, Indians, whoever it had been, Twins, were yep. the staple, Red Sox. You got over that hump, beat them, went on to win your titles, and we've seen, you know, kind of the 
beginnings and maybe with like the biscuits nationals beginnings and the fall of dynasties guys go on to do things in new life yeah you know guys go on to play with new guys to have a different stick in the league to do other things there hasn't been that kind of three in a row or the reds where they took you know three in a row four to five years in the world series didn't win for a while they come back in 2016 and ultimately win again and it's such a triumphant victory so you know that part is is kind of being lost right now and and like you touched on super teams are becoming a thing but every team now has some you know a guy or a gal who is great for their team makeup and can ultimately lead them to a Mm -hmm. victory any given night so the atrial is just becoming more and more competitive and it's nice to see that you know guys want to be more and more competitive every single year than they were the previous year as well. Definitely matches the fast-paced world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Just like new, you know, change, and it doesn't seem like. I mean, we got plenty of guys though that are seem pretty staked in the teams that they've been with for years, you know. Um, but yeah, there's definitely plenty. Well, of communication, guys that moving around. yeah, communication is part of that too we talked about the message board mm. and how you're connecting with different people twitter people dm and different the reds are the reds are a niche team in many aspects but especially in that one that they stayed together and were able to win another championship that many years down the road right down but the road. me and you have talked about how we we might want to come back and play on the dodgers again someday and win a championship together right like that's just been uttered we've talked about that so i mean i've talked comparable. i've talked gotham's get together with some guys before because what when you say what ended that grouping mm. we lost in we, 2014 we knocked off we were the knocked pedestal. off the pedestal but with that it was like hell's moving <laughs> oh shit like it's our best pitcher hell's moving yeah. um jake was getting more involved with his kids sports at the time and i was like okay hater do we you know do we want to try to keep a gotham's together or just Start doing something different. And I think certainly getting involved in the league transition that. Mm. That we put more of our focus on running this league than mm. we did focus on running our team and trying to win. Sure. So, so then, based off everything we just said, that would match up with you loving having just won a championship then maybe. Or that meant a lot to you. It I, was, I wanted to ask that. Yeah. Uh, what did that mean to, to come back then after... Because you basically just said you kind of did, in that way, step away. Yeah. And um, I've seen that you have heart for the game and that and that you care. And it's great to see. But yeah, tell me about I think once I got involved and put the energy into league stuff and I had had, you know, individual slash team success, um, I don't want to say the drive wasn't there. I, when I still played and went there, I wanted to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably screwed around more um, a few of those years, but certainly making to the end or making the playoffs, I'm out there to win. I'm super competitive. Um, but I honestly didn't plan to win another title or expect that within the league for me to enjoy myself anymore mm-hmm. that I needed to win another title. Maybe that was it. I, I had transitioned what this league meant to me and what I wanted to get out of it each summer. And it started to get to, because I'd gotten to know so many people, and you guys know this, I just kept playing with different people year after year. Mm. Um, I still wanted to be competitive, but I had met so many other people and go, yeah, let's let's go. Let's play a year together. I'm not promising anything else after that. 
Um, so we talked about that in terms of team structure, and I have enjoyed that. It's it's maybe almost like the transition you see in pro sports, where eras, guys, it stuck together, and then something started to change in terms of makeup or generations that were changing that now guys are mixing and mingling how they got brought people in the league. Um, certainly the Fridley, Fridley group is that way where right. so many of them knew each other. It was just, it was easy to bounce amongst each other because they played together for years. It's like a, it's like a wiffle ball breeding ground. You kind of think of Fridley, the MNWA crew, Austin, Trent, yep. those guys. Now even, you know, you and I hope can kind of take credit for, the prior late guys that have gotten in, Hondi, Dodger Dave, and now Billy on our squad. And we had Fez. You know, there are so many, you know, John with Shed Field. How many of yeah. those can you think of, Fredley probably ultimately being the biggest, yes. are coming in now and just, you know, they're coming in, they're liking it ultimately, most importantly, and then ultimately having success eventually as a player, as a team, and wanting to step up and be you know, do videos for the league, be a commissioner, be a blah, 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 whatever it is. So everybody so kind of has just one second. Oh, yeah. Everyone has, a, I'm going to use AJ as an example, right? Yes. Came into the league, um, was running his team, but they didn't go out. They didn't do post game stuff or whatnot, but they had their own little con content and they knew other people in the league. And to just add in this year, because he's, he likes to do it and he's, been on the radio that he comes in and does some announcing for games and and sure. immediately when we started talking nwla stuff and it was people that might want to be involved or could take to do different stuff mm -hmm. like started putting him in a bucket even if he didn't know that that he was getting put in a bucket to go you could do this you don't maybe need to lead anything but you could be part of this in terms of telecast parts or doing some voiceovers very doing stuff point. like that and the league would be very grateful for absolutely him, him in that position yeah, we need it after seeing this production and i know he did it <clears throat> last year he called charwall's legendary shot off me game ages, seven. Right? ages. Yep. he has a knack for it he's great at it and i think a lot of guys probably after listening to that aspire to be able to be that good at something such be, as commentating for yeah. the league feel plenty comfortable to be as candid as possible about ages when it comes to commentating he is Slack. He's smooth as a motherfucker. Yes. Him and Mip are a great duo. Grizz, you were fine too. But <laughs> <laughs> you got the shrewd comments, but they're just you know they do that. That's yeah. their thing. Yeah. Grizz, you just a hit tanks. You know, AJ, you're great on the field. AJ, unless you got something else going on, we hear you. I'm not commentating any of the NWLA tournament, but we need you. We need you a little bit on the and biggest then, stage, AJ. Unless you're playing, you know, obviously. I think that that would be so cool because that is a very good point. He's great. He's he really fantastic. But um, well, I was gonna say then, is it truly to ask you, like, how does another HRL title feel? Like how like how's it been these last couple of months knowing that, like, aside from the fact that you were on the so-called Aces with another so-called super team, but all that is so-called bullshit. <laughs> and. How does it feel to have won another championship? It's got to feel good, right? The year was... Um, I mean, I played with Mike the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I had played with Evan. That's right. At least... Uh, NW, the Crawdads. NWA, NWA. Web Gym and Babyface on the Crawdads. And who else was on that team? Grizz and, Grizz and Smallpox. Smallpox. Oh. Right here. Wade is wearing the HRL Jam shirt that was debuted in 2021. <laughs> as we speak, so... 
See, that just goes to show a perfect example of not paying attention because <laughs> fuck the other best players in the league. Like I don't want to. I don't pay attention to them. Don't care. <laughs> um, I'm paying attention. You guys had an unbelievable showing out together, by the way. Just to add on top of um, just what you're about to say about Babyface about being on the Aces, that uh, yeah, you guys were coming off of a couple great years that's mm-hmm. for sure and stat heavy and some of the most. Probably some of the best statistical years in NHL history on the card. Yeah, one thing I want to touch on, because as an outside observer and expecting maybe to play you guys in the finals or, or see you guys have success too, Mike hit, what, 55 home runs? Ultimately, you probably hit probably the least out of those four in a lineup that year. I and yet you, plus. And yet you won the MVP, Wade. Yeah. So that makeup <laughs> is just absolutely insane. Yeah. And I know this year the Aces we didn't have that makeup. Yeah. I'll call out Dodger Dave. Like he had never played a full season, so yeah. he had you know nobody expected him to be. No, it was Chris. a different structure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Completely different structure. Yeah. And and you guys and bringing it back to the championship of 2022, that definitely wasn't any. Two, three, four, five guys hitting forty home runs, no. thirty home runs. Definitely not. And so not the, from you or Babyface. So the comparison with the Gotham's, at least with this, was we weren't stat crushers on the Gotham's either. Mm. I no. mean, Hal was tops in the ERA generally. Okay, pitching aces were pretty undeniably dominant. But when you think of stats, though. what does your mind gravitate towards? Hitting stats or pitching stats? Wins v losses. Pitching, okay. I'm thinking. I'm talking. Yeah, I I made that comment about pitching because right. you have you two and Dumpy. And Dumpy went nine and or eleven and one. Eleven and one. Oh, I ended up yeah. putting a side with. You went. But what came you didn't with lose a game? But what came with game, so many? You? I lost one. Yeah. But what came with so many of those wins this year that did feel like the Gotham's to to some extent was we weren't crushing everybody all the time. We mm-hmm. had a lot of close games or a lot of clutch moments. But what what distinguished the early Gotham's years from the ones when we started to win was coming through in the clutch. Um, I think we talked about that. Communication was key, and you know we, we just, in general, got along with each other this year. But talking about scenarios like throughout the season, that things that would have to be done in the playoffs that we can't get away with in some of these other games, we had experience from that clutchness. And I think... That was growing with the Gotham's in a similar way, with some defeat leading up to us ultimately winning. Uh, but that was the that was the interesting thing about the Aces season this year. I would never would have thought we would have gotten the record that we had gotten with as much talent and teams that we had to play against, as well as look at how many damn close games we had or I close mean, finishes. We played at least I think four extra inning games. Americans, Mets, multiple times, vibes, um, Chihuahuas, losing, Millers, like all these teams. That played us so tough, but we got that taste of, all right, we're ready to do battle from the first pitch. And we'd have a lot of bad first innings, so a lot of the time, we were down early. Yeah. But it's a six-inning game, it's a long night, and you realize, okay, if we ultimately find our best foot and put it forward, we're going to have a good chance to beat whoever. And I think that was what was communicated. And during the World Series, a lot of banter was back and forth between the commentators, Mippy and I think Grizz, and ultimately AJ was... Who is the manager? Who's leading these team discussions? And our two names were at the forefront. And it was known, probably league-wide, and especially with the rest of our guys, that when one of us two says something, we probably communicated it with each other, uh-huh. and we mean it as a as a way of 
best going about our next situation as a team. Yes. And I think too many great teams, such as the Crawdads, yep. weren't a great team makeup. They were great individually. They came together for great moments, but they couldn't get over that hump as a team. Yeah, you got you can get buried. You can get like you said, you can get buried early. And, and that's why the Mets pressing. were so successful yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah, too. and they yeah, they they just were steady. And, and and they, they, gelled. they waited for their time, and that's that's important. And in the clutch, they yep. came through. Yep. yep. And you guys definitely gelled in your first season as a as a conglomerate. Yeah, that know? helped. We gelled quick because we were good friends. Or in cases like Ian and Dumpy, immediately gelled. And I knew that as a manager, they're going to come together and ultimately be best friends in two months. Yeah. And next year, I won't even have to say a word, and these guys could all be hanging out. Yep. You know, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The connection will be there already, and that just. You know, as the course of a season went on, helped us out so much. So I guess something you touched on a while back, but it wasn't this last little bit, was the eras of the HRL. Mm-hmm. You probably know it better than most. Obviously, Truck probably has the best kind of concept for it, but I know a couple of those years he wasn't as fully invested as, as he once had been or, or now is again. Take us through kind of the breakup of like eras. So starting when you got in the league till now, you know, don't try to go too far back. No, that's yeah, that's fine. Uh, I mean, the guys that were before me, I had mentioned before already, a lot of them stuck with the teams that were there, so I saw them in a way anyhow. But I had already seen who had kind of established themselves at the top. Um, you knew right from the get go in Egan that the Reds were going to be up there, and you knew that the Red Sox were going to be up there from Hopkins. Rules changed and structure of divisions changed a little bit here and there, but um, perennial all-stars, perennial players that were in those groups coming out of Egan, you knew guys like Spoon and Seuss were going to be up there. Jay Ski, who was still playing at the time, was always crushing. Who was getting the votes for Yellow Slammer, MVP, Cy Whiff, etc.? Who was in the playoffs regularly? The Indians teams, uh, guys like CJ, uh, Molgs, T-Bag that... They had a hell of a team. They were good hitters and they had good pitchers. Yeah. Um, and Hopkins, the Red Sox, the man and tugboat leading their squad year after Another year. Another dynasty, of course. Correct. And they were, and I, I mean, some of my first games, my first game I remember was at Harley. Played the Padres. They were called the Padres at the time. Sheryl shut me down. Like, I, I knew then and there, like, he was... They, they beat us for the division that year. The Padres beat out the Brewers. Okay. I didn't know anything about how that actually worked or the drive for it until a couple of years later, but um, I'm trying to think of who else. When it transitioned, I feel like right the Gotham's time that we were together, that con- concluded that era from, even though some teams had started to come in, like the, the Biscuits or the Rays, they came in 2013 before we were completely done. And there was, a, was a yeah, there was a few others Reds that had come in. 16 maybe? Um, See, but that brings it back to they were kind of the only team, the only franchise that weathered the storms throughout the years. Won titles, took such a long hiatus, came back and won titles. Well, you say yeah. to the end of the Gotham's, and I didn't know when your Gotham's years were, and I, and I recall, was Four, it 14, 15? 14 was the last year. Oh, Summer of okay. 14 would have been the last. I, I, There was already, well, it's kind of like, I always compare it to basketball. So it's kind of like you had the Lakers and the Celtics that had this thing that was going on. And then... The Pistons finally ascended and got in there. And then the Bulls had to knock them off, and that, that happened. So there was a little bit of this. There was that talent at the same time. For instance, the Orioles. Their first year they came in, they didn't win. 2010, they didn't win. They were 
some of the best squad of guys that ever joined the league, right? Stats-wise, just coming Who's in guns a-blazing. TJ, Aquaman, Chance, um, Talk about TJ. Talk about TJ for a second and why he should be voted into the Hall of Fame this offseason. He came in, just like I said, with his squad. They had been playing, like we had other guys before that had played Wiffle before they joined the league. And the best of the best that was in there couldn't shut him down from the jump. I, I, I don't know if it was his first year that he had 50, but it was certainly his second year that he had 50 and he home leads, runs. I believe he leads to this day all-time home runs in a single season. He does. 56 is still okay. the tops. And um, their team changed around a little bit in the first couple years when, when uh, um, after they won that title in 2011. Because Beardface was with them. Because Beardface, if, yeah. Like Aquaman. But then that kind of gave way to the Taco Pondo, yeah. The national version. Franchise. Sticks that came in. He first played his first year with the White Sox, but then joined up with his other buddies. But yeah, that that crew when they came in were immediately known. It's like you start hearing whispers because I was in Egan at the time, and they were in Hopkins. And you hear about this team, and you start looking at the record on the website and their stats, and you go, "Holy shit, these guys are pretty good! Like they're crushing these teams." Not and pretty they're, good. They're new. They're no, great, no. but we don't really want to admit it. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. probably. And they, so arrow wise. They transcended part of this one era that was still going on. Kind of closed one off. And yeah, the Reds the Reds had their chunk. The Red Sox were always there with them. We finally got up there. And then as we were still at the pinnacle or falling off, they came in. And I say the Nationals group came in and carried sure. that torch for a little bit. I think I cut it off in 2016, certainly. Um, even though there was a little bit of carryover and teams like the Biscuits had already been in the league Raised for a couple biscuits. years. But the... What was coming out of Hopkins still, the Nationals were still cream of the crop. They were coming off of titles. Reds were still doing their thing in Egan because the Gothams weren't there anymore. And there was other teams like uh, the Pilots that had really good run, like um, Rex and Box when when they were at the top of their games. They were a very tough out in, in Egan. Yeah. And they had their little window, but it's almost like you see in a lot of other sports. Their window just wasn't coming at the time where the top dogs were done yet. And they had a sliver to get over the hump. window. And who knows if a window during that window, if it opens up, if 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 that duo right there, Box and Rex, ends up winning a title, the course of Atrial history could be different forever. Because yeah, yeah. who knows? I could usher in a different era. Different guys that would have joined teams. I mean, that that's happened over time, and that's happened more in the last six to eight years, which is guys that had stuck, stuck, stuck it out, and then you end up bringing in some of these teams like the Orioles when they came in. And then you start seeing the talent of the the Rockies that became the Rays and the Biscuits. Mm-hmm. And your guys' crew that came in when you were so young. And you go, Jesus Christ, the guys are coming in from the jump and being all-stars or MVP candidates. Sure. And that wasn't the case when I first joined. Not at all. Because you were having individuals that were still coming in at and here I think and there. Spoon is... Shout out Spoon. Spoon under that He's same an example board. of that, though I would say that when immediate he, dominance, immediate dominance. Sure, but I, I mean, he was that first generation to me. Like he, he was, right, and we told him not yeah. to, yeah. But him and TJ parallel each other beautifully. Yeah, beautifully. What were you gonna say when I said? Well, yeah. I mean, just now, and, and you touched on us. Yes, we. You know, I personally had success, and in, in, in your rookie year, Hove, you won a title. Um, 
but it just feels like nowadays, you know, if you want to have that success, a lot of guys don't really. We'll use the Rumble Ponies, for example. Mm-hmm. Their first year, I think they actually made the playoffs. Yes, they did. They lost to us yep. in you know, COVID year. Yeah. Came back, didn't do so well the second year. But now, as they're getting a feel for it, at the end of their third year, just watching their run in Wolfpalooza together, I think we were all there, it almost seemed like them as a team had flipped the page over to, okay, now we know what we're going to be as a team. Yep. Going forward, here's how we can get better and grow. And ultimately, I know they all want to chase an HRL championship. And guys on that team individually, B-squared, Air Jordy, Sticks, are taking initiative as leaders and want to be involved in things outside their team within the league. You know, that's how you build a winning team, I think. Even after a player such as Mippy, for example, having been in the league for as long as he has, he's still... I know him, Face, um, Airbud. They're all going to be feeling that exact same way going into a season like this next season. Hungry for a chance to play for a title, to add to the history yep. that you're talking about, and all those different champions and like where teams you were at, who was, and hearing you talk about it, it puts into perspective like, oh, these these were the obvious teams that were constantly fighting for it. So there really are only those few. Like there's everyone. There's all these teams that are fighting for a championship, but it's. How much, you know? Because you're only going to be one out of a couple names that get listed when talking about who is dominating a certain era or even a span of a season or two. I think through all eras, you could probably look at the HRL and do a third at best when you start off the season. However many number of teams are in there, you can go a third likely have a chance to win this thing. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That you there's some up and down. I mean, generally you do that in a lot of other sports. You kind of follow along that. Some mm-hmm. leagues are a little bit better at parity than others. Sometimes what's happening like in the West and the NBA right now, like you knew a team, certain teams that would be up there, but it's all kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Sure. That's tough to expect. That doesn't happen much in the HRL. Yeah. I think especially even though guys have jumped teams, you get a pretty good pulse for what your expectation is going to be mm-hmm. in the end. And... Well, especially in is a there sport. more disparity going into year 20 with something like that? Well, I was just going to say, especially in a sport like wiffle ball, where one singular person can have such an impact sure. on a team winning, um, just like basketball. I mean, you get LeBron back in the day who could carry teams that were not that good to places they wouldn't have otherwise imagined. Yeah. So a lot of that is also happening too. And, and then you pair two of those kind of players together. That's where you really start seeing those successful teams and those mm-hmm. teams that can usher in a new era or like the Reds dominate in many different eras and stay together for forever and, and all that stuff. So definitely. Yeah. We have a lot of wiffle conversations in the off season, but you never know those guys that have been in the league for a little while that flip the switch a little bit, or maybe they change and they go, I really want to try to win this year or mm. flip the switch the other way. Go, I've been competitive, but this year I'm really focused on X Sure. And, and, and that's, we don't know all of that. We just assume in terms of the teams that are usually up at the top. But there's there's enough talent now that with some parts moving around um, could really focus their energy and be more successful than what we would have originally thought they were going to be. Yeah. And if, 
if there isn't going to be more effort this year for any of those reasons, then it will be just to want to beat teams like you guys. Oh yes, you know? I, I love that. Oh, we embrace that. Great, you know? and I'm I've embraced it too. It's being on the baby case because you've been so you're so successful. I can say since you've for anyone away. that doesn't know that that might be listening. I mean, I've started out my, out my career with a few of the best to ever play the game. Am I? From what I've seen as a new player who hasn't seen many of the OGs, has been learning a lot about them even in these last couple months with you. Right, but um. Nightmare, Seuss, cool. you, and you, for example, you know, so, and John, so I hear you when it comes to, um, see, I literally completely forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> well, train I think everybody knows where thinking. you're, where you're going with that. I didn't even know what I was talking about. My train, like, it literally jumps <laughs> off the tracks. But, but. What the fuck were we This is a great about? segue, and, and this is going to be a longer conversation, so we might as well get to it. What. In the last few years, what has the HRL offseason meant to the league season as a, as a whole, to the league as a whole? Let's just say in the past decade with free agency and now this year the expansion to the 24 teams for year 20. Yep. And I know you've had a hand in, in a lot of that the last couple of years. And yourself, you've bounced around team to team, played with new guys. Yep. How good is is the offseason experience, free agent experience now for the league as a whole? Oh, I mean, I, mean, I make Wiffle Bowl t- 12 month of your sport you know <laughs> i joke i'm like my wife gets sick of it it's in, in the off season i want to continue it through because it's so much a part of what i do so many of my friends guys i've gotten to know it's common interest why not carry it through right it's something that we really love to be involved in and my first dose of it was the change that happened between the Astros and the Gothams. That was a very uncomfortable time because you didn't really have guys split off unless they were truly leaving or okay. whatnot um, or forming another team. So that that was kind of, I say, unprecedented at the time um, where Hendy and uh, Flower joined different teams that, that next year and we added Yager in. Um, but I had another taste of that with... After playing a year with the Devil Rays, and we had 16 teams in the league, that I had made it my mission to try to set an example, to get more teams again, to get back to 18, 20 teams. And and so I had conversations completely open on us, and that's when I had changed my approach in the offseason to go, I'm still going to talk with people behind the scenes, conversations that everybody else doesn't have to hear, but I'm much more forthright in terms of what the hell the plan is because I want what's best for me to still enjoy my year and everything else. But I want ultimately what's best for the league too, to, to have it thrive and continue to grow and bring new people in. And um, I've loved to see that in the off season now where yeah. so many guys, maybe they had a relationship like the Fridley guys did where yes, inherently it's easier to make a switch because you really feel comfortable playing with these dudes or it's just, Hey, I got to know a couple other people and I don't care. Thunderson's that example, right? I mutual connection with him over the years because of his lack of fear of switching teams and playing with other people. And, and just he's making loving cons- to make yeah, make an effort to connect with him. He's people. making an effort. He's going out to the last four or five World Series showing up, standing behind the board, chatting yep. with guys, bullshit, and probably talking about the year and his interest in playing with who and whatnot. Doing that is how you get your name out. There. Absolutely, showing up, you know, being present. A guy like because he came in exactly. largely like me, 
indiv- individual. Didn't have this other connection. No, like, no tie. Literally no, tied to nothing. Yeah, tied to knew a guy to get in. That's how I was with Hendy. It's not like Hendy and I knew each other beyond just starting work. I mean, his and my friendship or relationship was grown not from work. It was grown playing together in wiffle ball for several years. That's so it. I had to hate her. Didn't know him from Adam. He was on my team first year. This character that I got to know and became one of my best friends. Right? To this day. Yeah. So that's, people have had different paths and made decisions to join different teams. But I, I feel like now more than ever, despite we're as big as we are, so many people have over the years made the effort or gotten to know the other people in the league as opposed to just knowing a name. Mm-hmm. And I that's agree. when, and that's when we have the best camaraderie. We have the best <clears throat> message board conversations, the best Twitter battles back and forth, all of that when, you're comfortable enough with these people, and it's not just, oh, that's their roster. That's how you play softball games. You don't get exactly to know other way. people. And and I, I've made Perfect that push football. here, like talking with Taco. I mean, I played with Taco with the Mets. And I said, you got to know other guys that could play with. He goes, yeah, I've had other friends I've still played softball with, but I haven't been able to pull them you know, away from the dark side to come and play with. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. about not making a deep enough connection as a friend, as a teammate. To say, come do this and step aside almost with me and come take another adventure on with me. And you you might end up loving it because for Taco, you know, he has ended up loving the HRL. Absolutely. How many people have we seen at these most random situations that you start talking about whiffs or whatnot and then you get them a little bit introduced mm-hmm. and then if they really enjoy the sport and being active, they, they love it. Like they get hooked and they love it. Mm-hmm. I think a guy... I want to shout out Chuck real quick and go back to Wifflin for Wishes days. I think at the last couple of Wifflin for Wishes, when I had ultimately been in the league then, because of Wifflin for Wishes, I saw guys like you and Seuss, and you guys helped me get in with the help of my mom sending a few emails out, of course, yes. famously. <laughs> um, I see guys in a young stage like Mihoff and his brother and those guys, and I'm like, holy shit, you know, these guys don't even know what they're up against on a Saturday morning in a tournament. They're facing guys like Churls and Hal, and they're throwing cheddar. And they're beating them with their dads, with this crew that you wouldn't think is going to be competitive. And to see them then transition ultimately over and they become a full-time HRL player, holy shit, that's cool. And I now am in a position where I'm entering year seven. I can take a glance and I'm not the guy coming in or trying to get other guys in that are now super new. It's nice to take that step back. Yep. And, And every move, Braves made a move. I mean, we made a move to get guys who maybe knew the idea of football where it played in little experience and little increments, now we're going to come full circle, and in 10 years from now, they might be giving the same speech to one of their buddies or, or their kids or whatever it is. So, I think this offseason, though, your original question, speaking of free agency and this free agency, I feel like the moves that were made in the additions kind of dug us in, actually, more than switched things around with maybe reuniting with for the factors same with the wish yeah and as well yeah eight and then there's only a couple more additions nightmare did move again but felt like everyone dug in and i think it's going to be a very comfortable season this next season for all of us i can speak for the baby cakes that it definitely will and teams like um like the rumble ponies and yeah no moves both of you guys no moves made Oh, look Hopkins, at, look no at, moves made at all. I mean, no the, new teams, no backups. No new teams, but 
I mean, a big switch up if you look at roster the last couple of years is like Casey's Rubber Ducks, for instance. That you wouldn't expect to. But where did Peanut, you know, join this league? <sighs> great, great addition to the league. Him and Joe when they That's came such in, a great, you know, he's gonna fit like a glove and, on that team. And Absolutely. the interest already because I, I know I've, I've talked to him and I've, you know had drinks with him at different times. Too bad who's been a buddy of mine for many years now. We joined the league around the same time. Sure. Didn't really get to know each other early on, but. Grew together, grew together uh, over time. I mean, they all came from different spots at different times and different years. Casey and bringing his brother, and even though his brother didn't play the first couple of years, and Peanut and Two Bat, and they were always at pregames mm. at at uh, Wild Boar. Like Hopkins guy, I, I'm gonna see Casey. I'm gonna see Two Bat. I'm gonna see Peanut as representation. Like where does that grow from? It it's the additional conversations you're having with guys, Moments or like showing that. up and mm-hmm. sitting, like you say, standing on the side of the board during the playoffs. Maybe they're not in the playoffs anymore, but they're hanging out and, and shooting the shit and talking about different stuff. Like what Peanut told me, where he wanted to have a chance to maybe pitch more and be yeah. in a situation to do to be given that. And I have no idea what that conversation was like with Casey, but I'm sure that was part of it. Mm. You know, and too bad. And I've talked with him about. He won titles after playing in the years for so many. After playing in the league for so many years, he accomplished. And then he and then he was fine doing his thing, playing with his brother again, and uh, playing with Lottie and having more of a a fun screw around team. Um, I don't know if this is an itch to say I want to be more competitive, or it's just the same as I have been, where I'm going to be competitive with these guys, but I also get to play with different guys. And that's, I mean, the Rubber Ducks, perfect. Team makeup, it seems yep. like. Um, mm-hmm. Got they got good styles and and stash, you know, so open and 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 welcoming and and it seemed like peanut. It took me five years to realize I got to go from Egan and I got to be in Hopkins where all my buddies, best buddies are at. I got to go be there. Peanut in his first year said, "Okay, well I'm going to take Joe with, but we're going over and we're going to go compete in Hopkins and we're going to go compete for a contender and a playoff team." Yep. And then in his third year, he's with his third new team. This, you know, kind of seems like the team he could build a home with for a couple of years. You know, who knows? Yep. yep. And and maybe be the guy who leads them to playoff success or, or a couple of awards or, you know, who knows as as the HRL years are going to unfold. But like you're right, Hove. Every every Hopkins team stayed the same. Every Egan's team stayed the same as well. For the most part. You know, no teams backed out. We didn't have a a team absolutely dissolve. We just had two new teams come in, and 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 you should touch on those two teams. Hmm. Um, it was announced this actually this past week. This will be recorded quite a ways afterwards. But yeah, the two new. I Egan honestly teams. can't remember which one was which. There was the Space Cowboys and the Sully's Space Cowboys. Yep, and the Cyclones, I believe. Yeah, the Cyclones. So Mahomes and, and his dad Torpedo, which is going to be fun because Torpedo former Yankee and yep. both former former Yankees. Torpedo had always played with his his brother. Yep, Rocket. and I don't know any history if Rocket. Or Rocky have any history with Old Yeller? Did yes, they, they play did. together? Yep, they played together at the Yankees for well, a Well, there you go. So, so it's coming back. I, yeah, I, full I circle. In the statement of of digging in. That's a that's another perfect example. And I can say as as a as a as a proud team being on the baby cakes. Like yeah, we just we feel good going into a season like this because mm-hmm. more comfortable and we nothing new that you're not. But gonna it's know. still new when you have as big of names as Psych and Nightmare leaving. You know, it, it created such a different dynamic, and it's this uh, like 
2022 was basically a brand new team for the baby cakes, you know? And yeah, for you, us too. I mean, yeah, you're going role wise for yourself. You know how you are, or how you've gotten better, but role wise is different. I mean, even all though the for change all this year, of us though, and with all those moves, for sure, role changes. Yeah, yeah, I think you and I can say going in this year with the Aces, role wise, pretty much the same. I mean, for you and I. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's there's no secrets. Everything's out on the table. We did it. We accomplished what we wanted to do. And we played a full season together, so it's going to be easy. And we insert one new guy, Mike leaves, and, and yep. he's going to go find early and, and often yeah, success. Yeah, because he's playing with those guys too. Yep. And who's the captain? Who's really the captain on the Aces? It seems like Psych. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Psych oh. is the captain. So if you still don't know, <laughs> now you know. Which I tweeted oh, back no, in November of 2021. <laughs> I am going to manage this, to, but yeah. maybe my. When you said that though, honestly, I, I hadn't really even thought about that. And I think that's something super important that a lot of guys in the league right now would be able to relate with very heavily is changing role positions, mm-hmm. especially with a lot of those moves and um, and the development as a player. Like even it, I don't know anyone's career more than especially this last year. I basically learned where everyone was at this last season. So someone like Airbud though. He's probably going through a lot going in this next season, mm-hmm. just thinking about how his role is going to change. And Absolutely. I can speak about mine that mine feels like it's immensely changing. You know, after yes. coming up, yours changed maybe in one playoff run. Now you had legendary moments in the past, one title, awards, and and all star appearances. In one playoff run, you hit a game winning, you know, series clinching home run, mm-hmm. and you pretty much willed your team to a victory in the World Series against the eventual champion. That right there manifests itself. So if you don't have the mindset going into next year that now my role is completely different than it was, even at the beginning of last year, a calendar year later, 365 days, you're not thinking you know, long and hard enough about in, it. In my opinion, it's just not going with the flow because it'd be breaking the flow if I just assumed I was still in the I-don't-know-what-I'm-doing stage as I was last year because I know everything I need to know now about how well I can play or just to apply myself in a game, you know, because that's all any of us can do in the league, I think, is apply apply ourselves physically the best that we can and mentally, like making in-game decisions and being a good teammate or how you react to something, you know, that's all as, as much as I can do. That's why being a good teammate is, I think, where we all grow the most in an off season, and that goes hand in hand with free agency because that's the connection and the teamwork that you end up having throughout the entire it's, season. That, that camaraderie, I mean, you want... And that's we, why a team like the Reds with Father, Son, and Zach, those three got along so well. Yeah. And to see those three live talk to each other, you can tell that they were just so close. So, yeah, they gelled so well. It made too. playing with each other in a game they all love doing so easy. Yeah. It, it, whatever you come into this league for, whether it's just an outing, whether it's just to have fun whether it's to drink whether it's to play and be competitive there are a bunch of different avenues for you to tap into that it could be your roster and the camaraderie that you guys have or the chemistry you have because you're looking for success and winning and you guys get along very well doing that or it could be from a certain fun aspect you're loving the fact that you're not just going out there to hang out with your team. You're hanging out with three other teams at the rink that night. Mm, correct. Or you're Definitely. getting to do pregame or postgame with a bunch of dudes that aren't on your roster currently, but you're really good friends with or uh, have gotten to know. I, there are so many paths um, for for guys to evolve. You've, you've noted your evolution, right? Mm. I mean, from a playing aspect, I had a similar evolution. Like, I came in... Um, 
I didn't suck. I wasn't great. I was fringe all-star for fielding right away. Mm-hmm. I learned how to pitch a little bit more for the guys I was facing, made that a focus of mine. Um, there's Yours was a little bit different. You came in hitting the hell out of it, but you weren't top-end pitcher. You were one of your guys' best pitchers. And because we had John, who was known as right away. But look at what you've done over the last couple years in terms of focusing that attention than what you did in the series this last year as being our best pitcher. I mean, everybody, even even if you're coming lights out right away, has had some type of change. And the focus, I mean, his definitely went to being a leader and Mm -hmm. being a good teammate. Which developed his play so much more. So I yep. think I think those years with the baby cakes because we were so successful and so what I would call stacked, a lot of personalities and I never took that onus upon me to be among these great personalities and these great talents, these great players, these great individual guys, I never took the role of I wanna to go to be the leader. Yeah. You know, I always deferred and I think, okay, I can go lead by my play. Well sometimes your actions are just as important as your play. And so many times this year, I'm telling Will, you know, hang hang in there. You know, your time's coming. You're still young. You're in your yeah. third year. You're 20 effing years old. And that action starts with to take the leadership position to decide to leave the baby cakes and go start another team. And go create something new. Exactly. And the reason why, I mean, yeah, you were, you were the, you took the leadership and the captain. And I had done that at different times throughout my years. Sometimes Hater was those years. And then I had created some of my own teams or, or led or co-managed or whatnot but we're never we never bumped heads because we're so much on the same page in terms of what we're talking about style of play level of seriousness everything like that that's what made it so easy this year because we could talk things out just like hater and i did in the past but but you're and and it's great because now heading into my seventh year and last year in my sixth year you know, I can understand a game in May, you know, okay, we're not going to go out there and we're not going to throw our arms out and we're not going to go, you know, ape shit to try to, you know, end our season. You know, that maturity came with playing for so many years, playing for the last couple of years and saying, okay, when I was in my second year, I might have been a psycho and saying, oh, this game in, in yeah. mid-May, we have to win it, we have to win it, we have to win it. You know, and I think that that kind of shaped me into the, into the player I am today. Mm-hmm. And now, ultimately, having a guy like you and, and playing with guys like Zach, even you, Hove, and, and, and Nightmare, um, John, Cheerio, all those guys, kind of helped show me how the ebbs and flows of a full season go. It's a long time, so enjoy every minute of the process, whether you're winning, losing, having fun, not having a good night, learning about somebody new. Just enjoy every single night, every you know ebb and flow, good and bad, because... There's always going to be tomorrow. There's always going to be a next time as long as you want there to be. Um, and that's what's just so great about the HRL that's been the case for so long. A massive part about growing and planning these last couple of years for you and I is that figuring out of, okay, maybe I was going too hard worrying about winning this game, like you said, middle of May, when your energy to learn more about the game and to therefore, honestly, even put yourself... And this goes for any sport, honestly, that you learn so much more about the game when you're not focusing all your energy on winning in just the regular season, you know? Because you get the, to know more because people. If you're, oh, that's a part of it. You have conversations you'd never Because have. if you're thinking in long term and the goal at the top of your head is championship, then use that energy to feel the game better and to enjoy it, you know? Mm-hmm. And to talk with the people, to swing the bat, to 
have like make a dumbass joke, play music, drink, you know, Absolutely. all that stuff. Winning or losing. Now, where I am in, in my years that I played, it could be I'm on a really top end team or I'm a competitive team, but we're not the cream of the crop. I find myself doing it all the time now. You could be in a game winning or losing. I probably spend more time with my back turned to my game and watching the other one or shooting the shit with somebody else. And I realized I wasn't doing that way back when. Like my yeah. focus and my attention when I went there was not that I was only about the game. I was talking with my teammates and whatever else about stuff. But I, my approach has evolved similar sure. to like you're, you're talking about evolution as a player, but also you guys and your evolutions as your people, you as individuals in the league, not as your success as a player, but also just your connection to the league. Think sure. about, you brought up your like nickname earlier. Now with just after this last year and the way that you were interacting with people and that's changed over the years, would you have gotten tagged as psych or being a psycho as your nickname if people would have known Evan in 2022 as they did in 2017? No, but that's just the beautiful I mean, maybe not no. Like <laughs> no, that's the beautiful like part of said, evolution and getting a nickname. Well, and, when you get a nickname, and when you grow as a man, and that's what yes. we're all doing, yep. regardless of what age we're at, going throughout the league too. I got a nickname when I was 19 years old. You know, coming off of playing high school sports, and we've said the HRL now is is something we can play in, and there's no set date, there's no end line. When you become a senior in high school, college, okay, be done with this, and if you don't go pro, stop playing this uh -huh. sport for com competition. As long as there's HRL ball, any of us can play in it as, lo as, as long as we choose to. As long Shout as out watching. Pelt. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Pelt, baby. For real. 72 and yeah. still going strong. Yeah. That made me think of how legendary, as you were kind of coming up to it, I thought you were going to say that uh, that the name Psych after this last year and what he did and um, just his level of play and how much he knows everyone and is, is so personable with everybody that Psych is such a legendary name, and I was going to agree, obviously, because that's another cool thing about the league, is that when you are open and talking to people, everyone just loves even the fact that they're able to describe to family or to friends, like, mm -hmm. Psych. You oh, know? gosh. Psych is such a damn legendary it's just word a persona in, my, in <laughs> my mind. My best friend, who's just so happens to be the best football player I've ever seen, and now he's got... Three champ or two championships and four MVPs. Yeah, don't put the. No, that, uh, that's why that's just cool the horse there. <laughs> We're but, working on the. <laughs> I appreciate that help. No, but no, yeah. Even just the nickname thing when it comes to evolution, yeah, just being a good guy, at least trying your best. I'm not calling anyone out. We're all shitbags. I've definitely been a shitbag <laughs> to people. Just in game by being uh, being a little stingy or being pissed about the game or I know everyone. getting in your own head. I know I, I know I know everyone in the league has done that, so we don't need to well, touch on that too. The much, funniest but. comment probably of the year. I might be forgetting a lot, but AJ said, "You know, when I was kind of coming into the league, and I think over the last three four years that I've played and Hove has been in the league, I probably only got about three words out of the guy. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here thinking, as we record this podcast." Anytime you see AJ at the rinks, at pregames, postgames, whatever it may be, I guarantee you guys will talk in-depth about something every single time you guys mm -hmm. see each other. And how many more guys, gals, does that go for, you know, you, for example, who now has opened himself up, me also opening themselves up 
Wade had done that pretty early on in his career and, and has had that as going for him for the last, you know, 10 so years. And that's why you're able to, when you're playing, turn your back. Hey, what are you doing? What are you guys oh, up geez. to? Oh, yeah. you guys are doing something funny. You're able to do that and be comfortable with your experience also playing. I am, I am, I, I think is what I'd characterize myself a, um, reserved social person. Yeah. Like, like, uh, social, reserved social butterfly that I, once I do warm up or I am really have connection with people, then I'm all over the place and I have conversations and I don't mm. shut up. But I, I'm, re- I'm a little bit reluctant going in. And I certainly had that same thing with the league in terms of getting no guys. And what becomes a challenge, as you see, especially as an outsider, is these bonds that have already been formed with people that are there. And you're, it, mm-hmm. it's just like anything. It's almost like going into a new school or something gr- growing up and trying to tap in. But you have so many common instru- interests with people. We mm-hmm. see that in the league, whether it be becoming the sport we're playing in particular, mm-hmm. it could be the barbecue stuff that we've seen. It could be the passion for beer making. It could be talking about travel, sport. family stuff, other sports that yes, what's like oh I play whiffs, but goddamn it, like, sports. my we favorite all... thing is hockey. Oh yeah, how many oh, shit. Of these guys? I didn't know I'd connect with you on that. Oh, oh fuck, we're all from Minnesota. We all like yeah. Minnesota sports. Y'all got to deal with the Vikings. I mean, I put how many guys in the league have played with, with other guys that they didn't before into some other adult activity now? Okay, mm-hmm. right now, currently, just the other night, and I'll be up there tomorrow. I'm playing in a basketball league with Mip and a Huck and the Wish and Clayton or Kershaw, Kershaw and uh, Jim, and Mike Kershaw. and Mike. Yeah. Five other guys that now I'm playing basketball with. That's fantastic. Years ago, I played with Tugboat and the Man, and that's how beyond the persona of the man that I knew in the league. Mm-hmm. I got to know him through playing basketball with him, and then we became such good friends and traveled. And now together I have shit. Wade Cooper in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm on. <laughs> He's not lying. Though. He's got my number. <laughs> I know where he lives. We are in. The this mi- is getting scary. <laughs> we're in the midst God, of, we're and we're in the midst of that too. Uh, coming into the league and um, building friends, uh-huh. yeah. and doing doing shit that you never thought you'd do exactly with these guys that you never thought you'd maybe come close with but at all it takes and and you and i want to jump way back to something you were talking about before which is other leagues and what you see and we don't Mm -hmm. see it we don't know but why we can tout the hrl as being so awesome for all of us as a league is we see that camaraderie and that growth over so many people that it might happen in these other leagues but I doubt to the level that we have in terms of how much connections have been made. And that feeling is so real because we all feel that here. Yes. Very doubtful because it's still expanding to this day and it's going to keep expanding so long as we all want it to. As the new eras get ushered in, new players come in and don't leave. I think what we we probably see is a smaller scale versions of what we've had. Skibby League, for instance, is 20 years running and and, and so on. Mm -hmm. That has had that but hasn't been as large as as what, what we've had this mixing of personalities and coming year in year out and that's what this league will no other league that i am able to play in yeah bowling baseball basketball uh-huh. anything else is ever going to compare to this i had a buddy that i was messaging on facebook today and he he and i knew each other from way back when we played tennis against each other started playing softball against each other he comes out and plays wiffle ball on the 4th of July with another group of guys. I, I organize games all the time. 
put a message up on Facebook saying, hey, if anybody's looking for a team, this was before Sully had announced. Yeah. We're looking for, you know, people to play in Egan. I didn't see that he messaged a couple days ago. He messaged, goes, I'd be interested in playing. I go, you're not moving to the cities, are you? Because he lives four hours away. He goes, no, but is it worth it? I go, you know it's worth it. And he chuckled because he's played it. And he's gotten sucked in mm-hmm. when I've been doing that. And I half-heartedly joked with him and said, hell yeah, it's worth it. What the hell did Santee do with Rocket and Torpedo? For he was tr- those commuting from Milwaukee. Yeah. And, and he became playoff eligible, played in the playoffs. To some level, I don't blame him now after all these I years that I've played. Where I go, shit, I might do that. Yeah, so Nightmare, as, as much as you wanted to complain about the hour and a half drive from Hopkins, or from Lake Elmo to Hopkins, yep. whatever. Yep. You're, well, he sucked you, it up for you. Yeah, you got a good car anyway. You can make it happen. Fine, you're going back to Egan. It'll be easier. But you weren't putting in Santee numbers. Nobody else was doing that. So let's just, we're blessed that we live close enough to either Hopkins or Egan. That we got a chance of playing it, yeah. But, you know, we got to kind of transition to our part three of this episode and You're gonna get to, to wrapping it up soon. <laughs> no, we're going to go two episodes. We have to. This is too we much content have... to not put up. We might have a it all out. morning and an afternoon. We have th- three we... hours. Here's what we'll I do. I think we'll, I think we'll uh, maybe save one for, like, down the road or... Maybe we can break it up into two days. You could save this NWA stuff, too, if well, you wanted to part, we parse got that out. This, this should be in the main episode. <clears throat> so let's dive well, into definitely that. definitely 2020. You're just going to talk about 2024. Yeah. You've that been on the NWA good. team as a player, as a manager, for you know a handful. More years than you haven't been that we've sent to team. Yes, correct. So go through that, your NWA tournament experience. You got this for sick. And you know, kind of transition into we're a year and a half away. When we get the bid to host in 2024, how can every HRL player part, player um, help out that wants to for that year as well? So the, fir- the first part, just helping out. Anybody that listens to this, anybody else that's seen an email or, or heard a comment, whether it be like at the end of the year banquet, email, text, myself, Huck, anybody else that is in some leadership role, um, that you know of to just connect with and say, hey, I would really like to do that. We're going to keep bugging you about it. No matter what, you're going to keep hearing about it. It's so you might as be, well just come out and do it. It's it's either going to be in small groups or the large masses that we're going to make announcements at times. And, and those announcements are going to evolve over time because this tournament's not going to happen until late summer, early fall of 2024. So everyone might think, well, that's 18 plus months away. There's a It'll lot of sneak sh- up. There's a lot of shit to just think about, and yes, it sneaks up because everybody's lives are busy, um, especially when we turn the corner to summertime. Sure, a yeah. year from now we will be in the calendar year in which we're hosting. Absolutely, and and I always thrive in the off season of coming up with ideas and doing different stuff. This year, especially year twenty, you know, trying to come up with cool things specifically for our league. We're going to be doing that all of off season next year, so bombarded with different things. Uh, but back to your original, how can you help? Just send a message. Uh, that's all I need to know, just so that you get copied on emails that we're sending out. I don't want to have people that are saying, no, nah, I, I I, think it's cool, but I don't know that I can lend a hand or I have the time to do it. That's fine. That's fair. Uh, but we know a lot of people either have skills, technology-wise, connections, resources, connections, yeah. um, that just passions about different aspects of what we're going to do. It's not just going to be showing up and having a bunch of wiffle ball games played. We're 
We're going to take the best parts of other tournaments that we've seen. We're going to add in, in new things. We want it to be a huge event. And if there's something that's not even directly wiffle ball related, but you think might be cool just to have going on there, um, a band, a, some post-games post activity, some some barbecue type thing or whatnot, let us know. And, and what I'm hoping for most part, and we talked about this earlier, is if there's some big parts that need to be taken care of, if you have a passion for it, you step up and you lead that ship. Yep. That that we're always connecting on what's going on, but we need more and more people that are going to take charge of something and run with it, and we're happy for them to do that. Absolutely. Just come out and do it, and then tell us you did it. And, I mean, the more the merrier. We, we when we host this tournament, get to put our spin on the NWA tournament, the National Championship Tournament. And the style that it's played in, for those that don't know, it is very similar to HRL style of ball. Skinny bat, you know, same ball, pretty similar field styles. Now, obviously fast pitching. Yeah. And you bring in that talent around the country. Anybody who just wants to come out as a spectator will get to see, ultimately, what will be probably the best competition and conglomeration of teams and individual players wiffle ball has to offer across the country at that point. So, step up. We're all going to take a hand in it. It's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And we're fortunate that we got the bid with a lot of time to prepare. Yes. So we can yep. make it the great tournament that it's ultimately going to be. 100%. <laughs> um, I harked on it a lot with Trent. Um, I just recorded a, a little podcast with Trent. And uh, talking to him about something like NWLA made me realize just how much, me personally... Get me on the email list. Yeah. Oh, know? absolutely. Because it's so easy if we all do something, I think. When you have 24 teams, especially this year, and if we were to tell the two new teams, two newer teams with all these newer guys, hey, we have this really big tournament that's coming up next summer. we got a lot of time to prepare. If you'd like to help, you know, please do. And I guarantee we'd have plenty of helping hands as long as people are just willing to help out because oh my gosh i know what it looks like i know i haven't been to nwla mm -hmm. tournament before i've mm -hmm. only been to uf i've been to hometown um a couple other tournaments in illinois you know indiana with evan and uh seeing what it's like out there i want to make sure that i do my part in making sure it's as homey as a state as Minnesota is, yeah. as comfortable and welcoming and fun-filled, and it's harsher out there on the East Coast or in these other places. To be honest with you, like no disrespect on anyone out there, but and I think any, anyone could, and that's just the reality of it because yeah. it's like this much more serious take, and it's not gonna not be serious when oh, it's here in Minnesota. Correct. It's gonna be in incredibly competitive and incredibly intense. However, yeah, I mean, you could say this a million times, Wade, that if we all did something small or we all just helped out in the little bits that we all can, oh my gosh, it would actually be... I'm not a person that... Like, I love wiffle don't get me wrong to anyone, if you're even still listening to this, if you're two hours in or whatever, <laughs> but... Uh, I love wiffle ball, but I never usually love something enough to want to help out like I would with something like this. So it's volunteer. I mean, I mean, it's its own sports 
pinnacle yeah. in Min- in the state of Minnesota, just like we <clears throat> hold, we don't need to hold it in such high regard and be breaking down crying like we do the Vikings or the Wild or the T-Wolves, but we can definitely all do something for this one sport that we kind of run the show here. A lot of people consider the HRL the best and biggest football league in the country. So and and we, the and we, the, we have a job to do. The part hope that um, that we hope to emphasize beyond just random ideas that people people bring is wiffle ball has the competitive leagues. It has other ones that are totally lob it's different styles of play that just get us all out there because we like to do it. Mm-hmm. It's for whatever level you do. But we have to impress upon people the rest of the HRL experience. Mm. Uh, people that have, have had an opportunity to come and see like just how Wifflepalooza happens in that day in itself. It, all of the top teams aren't playing Wifflepalooza. We still have good teams playing, mm. but it's not like all of our clinching, full experience. clinching playoff teams are even in that. And it's an awesome day. It's an sure. awesome event. The Wifftoberfest that's happened year after year. It's just an awesome event mm-hmm. that we bring people together and just then with Toberfest randomly draw teams for. But it's it's awesome to to do year after year. And that kind of stuff is with almost no coordination compared to what is compared to where the bar is set with Absolutely. something like NWA. Like there's a requirement that I know you know that like as a tournament that big with that many people coming from out of state and using their time and money, it's got to be well put together yeah. regardless. Yep. So that's why I say, and from a, a young man's perspective, that you get a whole gr- a whole bunch of people to do something really small, it adds up to be a lot. So. Yeah, and we'll continue to communicate the levels of needs, I guess. Uh, Once we get a people. venue nailed down i think a lot will start falling in place yes people will start being delegated here do this for that and this for that yeah you start locations if it's somebody that's trying to organize some event after the games it's like okay you know where that's going to be located lodging yeah you should remember to not too much because hopefully um like even tweets throughout the rest of the season um throughout the rest of 2023 and the lead up or in discord messages just Little updates and Easter eggs here and there, reminding that oh, the yeah. tournament is coming up. Yep. And just good idea. Yeah, yeah. And yep. stuff like that. Yeah. So to to that end, one of those things that I wanted to ha- make sure that happened mm-hmm. um, was for the HRL twenty twenty, or excuse me, twentieth year, that um, I asked Chops, who's a graphic designer and has done an awesome job, right. came up with the logo. Yeah. Where, you know, he is the HRL logo. For those that don't know, um, it's been mentioned before, but. He, he did a design in the 15th year that we put on shirts for the league. He's done the same thing for year 20 that will send stuff around. I'm going to talk to him and, and others that have liked to do stuff like that and start putting together a logo set and stuff like that for NWA 2024 that we can start Beautiful. pumping out there. I need an know. HL20 sticker. Yeah. I need it. That would I be fun. an HL20 yep. sticker. I yep. could replace my Wifflin for Wishes Well, I mean, yep. okay, again, this is an idea that doesn't even... This could go off the podcast, but we need to have like we need to make sure we have booth. We like let's sell some 
HRL 20 merch. Or not, Wouldn't it be cool not, if every... Not HRL 20, because that's going to be in yep. our 21st season. Auctioning off whatever. jerseys like we've done at Whiffle yeah. and For Wishes. Yep. To you know, kids. A memorable and, whatever. Yes. We, see, we see the type of excitement you get out of kids when you go down to Shakopee Bowl. With on a whole no, star night. And with, now, with no advertisement. With none. With no, yes. And with we're going to bring in a league called Major League Wiffle Ball. And if we can have it our way, they're going to have a following in Minnesota... All the kids that pay attention to them and are free that weekend, guess what? They're coming out to watch yeah, their favorite team and get to know the HRL and see what we put on. So all of that, we need to take into consideration when we play in a tournament this magnitude. I don't remember if it was before we were recording or not, but you made a comment about the idea about having a kids thing, right? MLW has done that where they, when they travel and host a tournament, they've also had an under-17, under-16 division, whatever. Tournament. Yep. Somebody else had a similar idea when we we're just randomly talking about stuff. And I go, I feel like I've had this conversation before, but you never know until people start talking about it. Somebody was standing at the rings and said, should just have on the side some extra fields set up and it could be unorganized or it could be somewhat organized to have younger spectators that are able to go out there and play and have people that are standing around. It could be league members. Maybe that could be your role during that time. Mm-hmm. Is, I'm just there and I'm just going to come in there and tell the parents that come there and explain the rules to them a little bit or help them get set up. Any little thing like that helps. I've loved all those conversations. No idea is a bad idea. Yep. And as the season gets closer and closer, we're going to be getting more ideas for your season 20 and ultimately full off season of this preparation for the 2024 NWA tournament. One of the things before I forget, and so I get it out there almost to remind myself, um, we have a laundry list of, ideas we've already come up with and things we know we need to do one of them somewhere along the lines there is getting um at least temporarily before it shifts to nwa is a website for the tournament coming up for us that we can start linking directly to to have updated announcements and everything else and you know our, our twitter instagram everything else linked to a youtube channel so when that comes to fruition we'll absolutely send it out to the masses to make sure they have somewhere to direct people to and Spon- that, potential sponsorships to have information just so that they know um, all about this instead of it just being passed through emails. And as a host, do you know if tournaments in the past for NWA have done it that way or has it all been under one website? I, I don't know because the, the website that has uh, lived for a few years now in its current iteration shows the past history of stuff um, and there's parts of it that the the committee has I, i've noticed has added information about that tournament site as it's come to know but i also know it's been tweeted out as different things have been come to know mm-hmm. but like i said i want new ideas mixed in with everything that's worked in the past so i don't know what that's going to need I, I think just uh us having a website is going to help that and people in the hrl reach now who might be listening to this and throughout this process of hey let us know with anything you could help out with because one thing you touched on very early in us talking tonight was um, taking in any emails that you got, regardless of what they said or if you've heard it before or haven't, that it's just data to bring back and say, okay, these were the things that it seems like we need for sure. Mm-hmm. And then you have that laundry list, like you said, and it'll obviously tighten up as you get closer and stuff like that. But Yeah, good point, because you start... But hearing the, it a couple times and, and the you kids go, one in my mind oh, just and I, I think that's an obvious yes. one, right? We yep. need something. Yes. We we're gonna need something like that. Well we we've we've been able to do a little microcosms of that at Shakopee Bowl 
mm-hmm. with the couple years we've had the all-star game or you have games going on where you pull the kids out so we had the fun star game the one year we got kids out there and got to take at bats this last year we did a bat giveaway to connect the kids to a home run derby yeah. co- competitor and everything and we've had kids come out and mickby sign a shirt and do yeah. all that stuff should be taken to a an extreme a, an extreme level i mean mm-hmm. just the the advertisement that could happen to get youngsters out and if they are, haven't already been introduced to whiffs to to see this you see the look on their faces and they're playing baseball and they're hyped up about it and you throw somebody out there that can throw 95 with a wiffle ball their jaws drop like oh they're just God. in awe and why why wouldn't everybody not want to have that these guys that come in from other leagues why would they not want to have that they get that from mlw and from the promotion that they hear in different parts but i don't know how many times they played in an environment that has had spectators there live to to ooh and ah at what the hell they're doing with a plastic wiffle ball in a game where there's lawn chairs set up yeah. also and yeah. guys are chilling. Um, yeah. Hmm. That's just a good, easy break, I think. I was going to fucking say something. What the fuck? Um, well, I think last thing, and I know we touched on it earlier, the Hall of Fame discussion. Um, something we said we were going to for sure do with all of our guests is talk Hall of Fame, and we can make it brief. I know we're coming up on a two-hour point or whatnot, but... Obviously, for you, you're kind of heading up a veterans committee for the Hall of Fame this off season. And what would it mean to you to finally get you know somebody that we thought maybe would never get elected finally elected, or get a couple guys in this year um, to the Hall of Fame? We talked about eras that has made it a challenge, certainly with the structure of the voting as it had been created essentially in 2016. Um. I don't know. I, I think the main goal for the Hall of Fame was always some recognition, but being exclusive. Mm-hmm. We've, we've I'm a data guy, so I look at that all the time. Um, we looked at that this off season as okay, what percentage wise, what is exclusive? Number of people have played over time. Number of people are in the hall, and um, I think we came to the realization that if we didn't already know this, we are plenty exclusive right now. In terms Correct. of numbers, in terms of percent in versus people that have played in the past. Um, we've had a lot of, I'd like to say is pretty close calls because you've had guys that are regularly up in the 50 or 60% range. Yeah. But it's always been tough with all the moving parts and the variables to make adjustments or to understand the dynamics of how do you regularly get people voted in, but it's still a pedestal that you have to be on in order to get in. It's a total balancing act. I mean, I think that's why... There's been some hesitancy, and you've seen guys fall short by three, four, five percent mm-hmm. because some of those guys maybe have thought, oh, you know, even if I leave him off, okay, he'll still get in because everybody else has. Yeah, you never know what's going on. You never know how uh, everybody else is voting. Uh-uh. And and that's been a real challenge looking at the results year after year, and names that come on and off the ballot and everything. So for those of you that don't know, that would be listening to this, and you mentioned already from a veterans committee, we've had a lot of people that have kind of said, should we try to take a look at it? that's separate of the vote and get heads together and debate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the vote itself is going to go off similar to what we've seen in the past years with maybe a couple minor changes. Um, but after the vote's complete, whether or not somebody gets elected, um, all retired players that would have been eligible in the past 
Um, there's seven of us that are going to come together this first year and um, create a structure to decide, is anybody else deserving of it? It's still going to be exclusive with a lot of the people that we've picked um, to be part of this initial committee. Uh, a lot of them have said, I, I still want it to be not easy to get in. Can't make it easy. And, and that and that's perfectly fine. Um, and with the intent, similar to a lot of these other discussions we had tonight or talking about different stuff about people are learning things in the league that they might like to do. The the goal of the, the committee is to do that evaluation outside the vote every year. And we will rotate people in and out of yeah. that committee group. So people that start having more of a passion or the eligibility to vote, learning more about the league that raise their hand and say, Hey, that's something I'd like to do in the future. I don't want to keep doing that. Like right. it, we talked about transition about involvement with league. That's, that's a something. Great, that's a great that's point. Something I'd like to hand somebody off. Somebody new point. can step up yeah. eventually and take over that. Way. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's either somebody else that can assist and knows if I wasn't here to be able to do it. Um, just because it's getting done, I think that's the the big thing with this league. Just because something's getting done doesn't mean that it's always going to get done. People get burnt out with the stuff that they're Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into whether it's running league stuff, running tournament stuff, running event stuff. Shout out to everybody that was involved in the end of the year thing. Like Thank I, you. Yep. I was talking to somebody and they're like, "Hey, thanks. You're good." Job. I go, "I had zero to do with this. I just said I'm showing up, but it was great to have zero to do with it." And yep. then Sanchez kind of helped with yeah, that. Bauer. Yeah, and Huck come and say, "Hey, you want to take a few minutes to talk about it?" And they're like, "Great. I love having the audience, but, but I didn't need I didn't game. need to put this thing together to." to do that we had other people that had a passion for doing something had ideas and brought it to fruition and that is the way that this league continues to maintain and continues to grow and that's what it's going to have to be for the next 10 years till we get to year 30 because we got too much great things going on for us and there are too many guys that could step up gals that could step up at any time somebody just go out take the bull by the horns and that's why Personally, I'm proud of Hove and myself for going out and helping do this in the office. Absolutely. Yeah, we need to, We talked about content early on, right? This is a big content big item. Content. It's this day and age that we've got and everything. But it's a time commitment as well to, to connect with people and to, all the stuff that you need to do to get it together. It's not just saying, hell, I was sitting around my house tonight. Anyhow, I'm going to have a conversation. I could be out ice fishing right now, you right? fuckers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my wife will probably kill me because it's 1030 and I'm still at home. <laughs> but... They're all asleep at my house, so... I'll talk to her if you need me to. Yeah. That goes hand-in-hand hand with the Hall of Fame discussion. That's something that I wanted to reiterate, even in this, like we've said um, before about this Legend lineup, but that as we grow and as we shed more light on different stuff, that's just... The growth right there is more talk about it. And I have a very ignorant take on the Hall of Fame just because I can't say anything about it and yeah I'm just glad to hear that that we have uh, people worrying about it or at least just caring about it I just feel like that that's important yeah I think that knowing the history of the league makes you more connected to the league than just ancillary I'm just coming and playing this wiffle ball thing Everybody has their own choice as to how involved they want to be, what this want, what this league is going to mean to them. By no means are we to enforce that, right. like, that you have to do this level of 
um, effort or care this much. Like we said, everybody's experience is different. Yeah, and that's the great thing. But I think if you do get more engaged with some of these conversations and stuff, it makes it even a better experience for you. I mean, we had to set rules as to who could be eligible voters. There had to be a minimum number of years that you played. Right. had to create something. There's people that have met that, but maybe they don't care. You don't need to cast mm. a ballot. Everybody hasn't casted a ballot that was eligible each year. We've had about an 80 to 85% response rate, which has been great. Um, but I've had some people that have kind of go, appreciate this. I don't have any interest. I'm not going to vote this year or any of future years. Right. Mm. Perfectly fine. Everybody's choice. That's fine. That You're not forced to. You're given the opportunity just like people in the real world of voting, you don't have to. So if you're going to do it, the only thing that I strongly encourage, and people have done this before, is do a little bit of homework. Even if it's for ideas that maybe aren't the normal masses that are voting for particular people, you have your choice. You cast the ballot with whoever's name you put on there. But do, do, don't just go and start clicking a bunch of buttons. That's not the intent. Yeah. That's what's made it so challenging for us to evaluate things year in, year out. We, we, want, to, we want everybody that to, to take it as seriously mm-hmm. as possible if you're going to cast a, a vote. And you vote for whoever you want, ultimately, at the end of the day. And um, be serious about it. Three times out of the year for the HRL, you'll be voting if you've played the number of, year, number of years to be eligible. Yep. Hall of Fame in the spring before the winter meeting. All-star break, if you choose to, of course, yep. on all this. And at the end of the year for awards. So you spend probably a total of 10 minutes out of your entire year voting for these these three items. Make it count, put some good thought into it, and, and make it your own ultimately. But, you know, just don't go through the motions if you're going to do it. And if you choose not to do it, so be it. That's And, and if, you, if you abstain from voting from something and that's your choice, perfectly fine. Or if you have ideas that would make it more engaging for you or for others that hasn't been the case... Bring those ideas forward. Different different ideas about maybe what we've done at All-Star festivities have Fine. come to go. fruition. I don't feel comfortable enough to vote at all for Hall of Fame currently. Yeah, not you're not all. eligible. Even if I was, even, if, you three, even if I was in three yeah, years, right. yeah. I don't know because there have been 17 years of the league. Because you don't want to do a disservice by... Fast forward five minutes. Yeah, I, I think I'm hopeful. I really am hopeful about the Vets Committee being completely transparent about you know, what was discussed and what was the thought processes by each, each of the individuals. And I'll ramble off the names right now because it, it'll come up in some conversation. It's myself, Kmart, Tubat, Syke, who's sitting right next to me, Stash, Bliss Jr., and Chops. The perfect That's, mix, that's the me. seven people that at least this year had had been discussed and reached out to and, and talked about. And if you're, if you have a big passion for this and you want to do it in future years, come to me immediately and say, I absolutely want to have a chance to be involved in that. And we'll, we won't hesitate to add you to the list to get involved. Hell next year, maybe we, after how it goes, we said we we're going to swap people out. Maybe everybody stays and we add two more and we just make it Correct. nine. If there was that much clamoring and interest for it. So all of it is always up for change to, to make sure people are engaged and involved and enjoying what the hell the league is about. Right. HOF committee, 
Let's think about TJ and Spoon twenty twenty three. They met. They were they were up at the top. And whoever else is listening, let's get them over the precipice this year. Two of the absolute legends of the HRL. Two of the greatest ever. You played against both of them. You both got them. lucky enough to play against both yep. of them. We didn't, but someday we will get to say that we played against um, a legend in kind of our era, and, and that's going to be so cool too. So, yeah, but, I've yeah, had the listen to Hove. I've had the luxury facing almost everybody in the league that was Hall of Fame level. Yeah, I, I don't think that in the four years that I wasn't there. Was there anybody that played in that short period of time that then I didn't ever have a chance to play against to see how yeah. they were? And I've had the luxury of, in recent years, playing with so many guys that in the future I expect to be Hall of Famers at some point. Right. But there are guys on the current list right now that are absolutely worthy of, if however you vote, but if you just are looking at it from success, individual awards, team success, statistically dominance in the league there are guys that are are up there that should be absolutely in the names that are on the hall of fame um list for the rest of time and i will reiterate the statement i've made in now a few podcasts the hall of fame should consist of members that you cannot tell the hrl story without and i truly believe tj spoon guys like that so many guys who are currently in the hrl and eventually will be on the ballots and get inducted what the story can't be told without them so it's going to be exciting i can't wait to work with you on that and the other names that were listed and we have a great off season still to come winter meeting that could be on the precipice after this is released who knows this is um kind of in flux for timing wise and when this is going to come out but um hove and i have been working hard and and we just appreciate guests like web gem and obviously spoon pelp and Seuss for coming on with us so far and um, I think this was a fun chat. I don't know about you guys, but I think it was well worth the time we spent together. Yep. And you got plenty of time to go and edit this thing. <laughs> Learned a lot, yep. bounced a lot off each other, and um, we're excited to bring you tomorrow, uh, day three of the Legend Lineup podcast for the week. Um, any last words from you, Hulf? Nothing for me. Take us away. It's just fun to be here, fun to share this time with you guys. Web Gem. Thank you so much for being yeah, here. I appreciate it, guys. This is cool. Yeah. It's a fun time. Nice place we're doing it at, too, huh? It's very quiet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, take quiet. Yeah. Key to doing podcasts is carpeted rooms. <laughs> Hove was the one who actually told me that. Carpeted rooms. Key to having killer instincts out on a baseball field or in any sporting event. Stay quiet. Stay in quiet places. <laughs> there you go thanks for listening to the HRL Touch Mall podcast we'll see you guys tomorrow love y'all peace